Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. started with the sad sexy music that was for luca by the way that this sad sexy music is for luca because he has to go home after game five uh a a what a, what a third quarter for him geez but uh i knew he was going to be too tired how much they played him uh jason kidd had to go for it though right he had to go and and try and steal that fourth quarter uh the warriors win game five by 10 it was up to. Did they get it over twenty at any point in the second half? I think it was really close. Yeah, I, it was at yeah, least I think it 19, was. It maybe. felt like it was in this. It was there was a point where it was like seventy something to ninety something. Yeah. So, uh, did you ever feel in the fourth that the game was in jeopardy? No, Steph wasn't in. So, uh, no, I, I didn't feel like that. Yeah, I didn't feel that way either because I don't know if it was Van Gundy or if it was Reggie who said that the uh, chase was was getting a little nervous, and I was like, mm, I don't think so. Like, it it was it was nice to try and give, you know, try and try and create a little bit of of excitement there because they did they they made a nice run. I know it was like a twelve zero run or something like that, but I never thought that they were gonna come back because, like you said. Uh, Stefiano Rivera, the closer, was still about to come in. Uh, but overall, it was a, I, I thought for the Warriors, I'm interested in your thoughts about this. Uh, we saw them play really some tremendous offensive uh, quarters and halves against Denver. Denver, not a good defensive team. And against Memphis, too, they were able to exploit certain matchups and, and, play what play really well but i thought the second quarter of this game is maybe the best that they've played all playoffs so far and they saved it for the closeout game in chase yeah yeah you're asking like did I they just, do well, that? i was wondering like if you can think of another game so far in this playoffs where they they played almost perfect basketball the blowouts is the only one I can think of. like game three against Memphis games one and two versus Denver. I feel like those were pretty near perfect games one and two against the Mavericks. Ah, games game one against the Mavericks. 
But yeah, this one's up th- right up there with it. And then you add in the part that it was a closeout game. It was that chase. They have yet to lose at home. It just makes it all better. So uh, in the second quarter, and, and that's really, I thought second quarter is the best basketball they played all year. Uh, it at least in the playoffs, I'm sure there's some games where they, especially in, early in the season, where they were just going crazy. But in the second quarter, I thought they played the p- most perfect basketball that they played so far in the playoffs. And quarter one, solid. Oh, I would say good. Quarter three, they were just sort of trying to hold a big lead, and then quarter four, they played even with the Mavs as the Mavs are trying to make a comeback, but. You know, I think that was that was really the recipe. It was like one great quarter and just steady basketball. And if you look at the box, they only had 10 turnovers, which is kind of amazing for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 turnovers the entire game. Draymond had three. Jordan Poole had three. Steph only had two. Clay won. Andrew Wiggins won. So they took care of the basketball. They had uh, 36 assists to the Mavs, 22 assists. So... passing the ball, getting buckets off of assists, and then 56 rebounds to 38 rebounds for for the Mavs. The Mavs did not get, uh, actually, 38, 20. They had 28 different rebounds. So 10 offensive boards. Warriors had 19 offensive boards. Really just uh, an excellent excellent showing in a closeout game, which was the story in, in Memphis too, right? They played really steady. They had a couple of runs, but that Memphis game six, you were like, okay, they're in control. When, they, when they're in control and they're playing really good defense and they're doing the fundamental stuff, like they're, they're pretty much unbeatable against these teams. Now, against the next round, if it's Boston, that, that may be a little bit of a different story just because of the athleticism and how they match up. But um, I don't think I, – I, I can't – I'm trying to think of a negative thing about this game. And maybe – I mean, Luca was, Luca was making, you know, Hail Mary threes, and that's really the points they were scoring. And, I, and I, I just think it was such a positive, positive game that they played today. You know, I think it's interesting. I, I agree with what you said, but I feel like the Warriors have went through, you know, specific kinds of tests throughout the playoffs. You go through – uh Round one against Jokic, you kind of see that big man that's just super dominant, that's just dominating the whole game for the for their team, and 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 you you win that one pretty handily. Um, you go to get, you go against Memphis, who's very defensively made them uncomfortable throughout the whole series. Uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. in there, completely dominating the paint, similar to how we will see if it's Rob Williams or if it's Bam Adebayo. Um, and then the Steven Adams part of it, too, where I think if Steven Adams played a little more games, they would have figured him out a little more than just, uh, what would he come in, game three or game four? You know, you, similar you, to... You love Steven Adams. I, Steven Adams isn't comparable to Al Horford, but I'm saying, <laughs> like, those two bigs, that Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson Jr., you can say the Al Horford, Rob Williams, you could say... And for the Heat side, not as much. But then they go against the Mavericks, who is just this offensive firepower. So I feel like the Warriors have seen all these specific teams to ready them uh-huh. for whatever's to come out into the finals. I think they have an easier time against Miami just because we've seen in this, the Eastern Conference Finals is so boring. It's so boring to watch. And Miami just throws up stinkers at like one or two games every every playoffs. And... Uh, <laughs> and the Celtics, I think, are definitely the better team, maybe the more raw team, I guess. But I, I still think that we're, we're likely to see the Celtics here. So I just feel like the Warriors have gone through these specific tests, whereas the Celtics, you know, hats off to their 
playoff run they've been doing so far you know sweeping kd but that team i think you could look at it from now and be like that wasn't really a good team bucks was the biggest test no middleton and now the heat who i think we are noticing obviously um not that healthy but we don't know who's going to play for them in game in the next game but you know just that's not- part of that's part of the skill set for this whole thing though is the health and the being able to stay ahead of uh you know ahead of the injury thing when you have a, a heavily veteran team, the Warriors, which is, is the Warriors, you know, they got a bunch of guys in their 30s, you know, the rest during the season and, you know, the experience in this moment, like that stuff matters. And, you know, Kyle Lowry breaking down, who didn't see that coming? Jimmy Butler breaking down. Jimmy Butler is a tough guy, but who didn't see that coming? So Dave Dutra said that the Warriors definitely were ahead by 20. I the the highest uh, lead that I can see is twenty three, and it happened several different times. No, I, actually twenty four. Andrew Wiggins hit a second, uh, hit two free throws, and they were up by no, no, no. Actually, I'm wrong. Twenty three is the highest. So that that was the highest that they've uh, that, that 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 they were ahead. That was a, a couple few different times. Twenty two, twenty three, kept going back and forth before the Mavs uh, made it a little bit closer. So. You know, I think when you talk about the Celtics, the thing that scares me about them, and we'll get back to this game, but you you sort of brought it up. The, the Eastern Conference Final, uh, Eastern Conference Finals are pretty boring because it's kind of like a blowout on on one side or the other. These these mm-hmm. games aren't that close; they aren't that competitive. And I hope for Miami's sake that uh, Game Six is is a very competitive game because I don't see. Boston just, you know, kind of lying down here. I think they they smell, they smell blood. They know that they're just a game away, and I think they're going to come out firing. So Miami's going to have to play really good basketball. A um, couple of other, uh, couple of other comments here by people watching on YouTube. So Ryan F is a Celtics fan, so he's been waiting for this moment. Uh, Ryan's like he's been he's been keeping me up to date on how the Celtics were doing. He's been keeping uh, up with the Warriors, and I think this is really kind of a perfect NBA finals if it is the Celtics for the NBA because the Warriors are the most watched team. They're the team that draws the highest TV ratings. And if there is a team that beats the Warriors to get to that next level, you want it to be the Celtics because they have the young talent with Tatum and Brown and some, and you have the great story with Horford. You have the great story with their head coach, the great story with Marcus Smart. So it's really like a perfect thing for the, for the NBA. I mean, I, I would imagine... They probably wanted uh, KD against the Warriors. Like that was probably like their dream scenario for this finals was KD. Yeah. But, you know, Boston is right up there, whether it was Boston or Philadelphia or Giannis. Like I think all three of those teams there, they would have been happy with getting getting finals. Now, now watch Miami sweep these last two games and uh, and, and then it becomes a little bit more of a of a, of a fight, a, a rock fight in the NBA finals. They're probably not going to be that happy. And, you know, um, similar to the Warriors, um, the Celtics, like you said, they smell blood. You know, getting it done sooner means you have more rest. It's because it, the finals, the final schedule is set. It's not changing. It is yeah. Thursday. So the quicker yep. you get done with the series, the quicker yep. you, the longer you more, uh, the more rest you have for the finals. And we've been saying it with the Warriors. Let's get uh, Denver done in four games. Let's get uh, Memphis done in game five. Let's get... the the Dallas done in game four. They didn't do it any of those times. So maybe the nope. Celtics don't do it either to send Scott Foster over there. <laughs> I, I, I've been wrong. Like every 
game when I'm saying, you know, oh, you know, I, I mean, I, I was I was right about sort of the theme of the series, which is that Miami had to steal those two games. They had to take advantage of Horford being out. They had to take advantage of uh, Marcus Smart being hurt. And they, they only split, and they were the home team. They had to take care of those two games. And, you know, I, I so I fully, I fully expect, I just think Boston's a better team. So Ryan yeah. also mentioned that uh, the Celtics are 9-5 and five against the Warriors over the last seven seasons in the regular season. Uh, and, and you know, we've always thought that, I've always thought that they matched up really well against the Warriors. They're long, they're athletic, they're tough defensively. You know, Luke, the Warriors obviously had some trouble with Luka. Tatum is a, is a different kind of player, and I, he's not going to be as ball dominant, but he can do things that Luka can't, which might give the Warriors you know, even a little bit more of a problem. Now, he's not hes not going to be the bucket as Luca was during this uh, series when Dallas just desperately needed a bucket. Luca always seemed to get it. Tatum's not that kind of player, but I think, you know, they're going to have their own issues with him if it is, if it is Boston here. Uh, okay, let's go to our points here. My, you know, my, my three topics of the game, and this is, something that you had mentioned you were kind of wondering Steph Curry is the first ever Magic Johnson award winner the MVP of the Western Conference Finals now you had said you were actually looking way ahead to the finals saying you know if 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 the Warriors win it again does Steph not win the the finals MVP cuz that is the award that has escaped him for his career he's a two-time NBA MVP but when it comes to the finals Andre Iguodala won it the first year. Uh, Andre Iguodala would probably tell you that Steph deserved it, but you know Andre was the game changer in that series. Uh, and then in the other two, it was KD with Steph. Uh, Steph and KD kind of, you know, kind of playing one up one up each other while they were while we were blasting the Cavs. <laughs> but uh, he had to get it right. There was nobody else. I didn't think there was anybody else. Obi said, uh, Obi texted me and he said, if this was 2015, Wiggs is getting that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I saw a couple tweets for Loon and I was like, let's not, let's, let's just not push this narrative out there. Um, I think it was Reggie on air said that he voted for Steph. Yes. So that was a, that when I heard that, I was like, okay, okay, that's one. <laughs> but that's crazy how you have to worry about that with one of the best players in the league. It's just. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, worry, ultimately, it doesn't really mean much. I think it means more to us, the fans, because totally. we've we, we've rode with Steph this entire time. Uh, basketball Reference doesn't have Game 5 stats completely uh, updated yet, but, you know, Steph led the team in points. He was a second uh, leading rebounder on the team, first in assists. Uh, and you know, he shot 48% and 47% from three. Now those numbers probably dip down just a little bit when, when uh, basketball reference gets the game five numbers up, but it's not really close. What what's closer, what makes it a little bit closer is Wiggins had the single hardest, uh, defense, defend, you know, he, his defense, he had to guard the hardest guy and Looney, Looney was all over the floor and doing a lot of the things that they needed him to do from the uh, like the hard hat perspective. Like Looney put on his hard hat and his uh, blue collar shirt, and he just did did the job that they needed him to do. So 
it was interesting um, when they said they were giving out this award. Like I literally forgot that they were giving out this award because I remember when the Giants won their first World Series uh, championship. There was a there was a MVP of the playoffs award that I didn't even know existed. Like Lincecum won like MVP of the entire playoffs or something like that. So I forgot this was coming. But once I I saw and I thought about it, I was like, it's it's a hundred percent Steph. Like the, you know Wiggins played good. He didn't he, he didn't shoot as well, but he's guarding a tough guy. Clay had off games. We know Poole had some off games. Looney was consistent, but he doesn't he doesn't have the responsibility and Draymond, you know, I, there, there was a couple games where I thought Draymond actually didn't play well. So Steph had to get it. He's, he's the, he was the guy. And, uh, you know, my dad, uh, your grandfather texted us and he was like, did you think he was going to get it? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, I thought they were going to give it to Luca. That would have been the saddest <laughs> award ceremony and the most if, tired. Luca would have had see- hands on his knees. If he's thinking about it, you know, I'm thinking about it. If if the Mavs win this series, is Reggie Bullock even a consideration? He guarded Steph, you know, like it's just it's just something different every time it comes to it comes to the Warriors. Yeah, so I, I agree with uh with Dutra. He wants seven games of Boston and Miami, more wear and tear. They could go until Sunday. Game seven would be Sunday, so they play Friday. If Miami somehow pulls out the game, though, they're just so beat up. I can't see it. They'll play Sunday. They will only have rest Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Game Thursday, the Warriors would have rest Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So six game, six days of rest, and uh, they would only have uh, four. So that is something to root for, definitely 100%. Okay, second point. It's all about game six clay, except it was game five clay today. It's it, doesn't it seem like the way that he plays, you're just like, man, how come he can't play like this all the time? Like, the, and he didn't even do that in, when the Warriors were winning those other titles, right? Clay would have his off games a lot. Like, Clay would frustrate us sometimes and just, you know, we're like, oh gosh, like he's just taking so many shots and missing so many shots. But he was so in rhythm today. He also took the most shots on the team. If you were to guess how many shots Clay took, what, what would be your guess? 20. 25. Two. Okay. This dude took 25 shots in 37 minutes. How many three-pointers? 13. 8 of 16. He took <laughs> 16 three-pointers. <laughs> but um, with Clay, though, it's like... It annoys me too because it's it's those shots that we hate, those leaning on the corner, the little yeah. dirk fades. Sometimes it's like, like we're, he's just hitting them and like, see, I can make them. I'm just gonna keep shooting them. Yeah. And it's the ones it's, that uh, I don't like is when he shoots it and he's got like a weird follow through where he like starts running towards the basket. Those are the ones where I'm like, oh, he missed. I don't even have to look at the ball. I just know based on his follow through that he does not think that he made that shot. But. Credit where credit is due. Steph and Draymond are are so important to to the team. If either of those guys guys play poorly, uh, you need excellent play from somebody else. I didn't I didn't think I thought Draymond was was really good tonight, and I thought Steph was he was not forcing the issue until he had to. I think he knew, you know, when he needed to take over, but 
Clay is so much the heart and soul of this team because these guys root for him so much. You saw the interview with Ernie Johnson after the game. Clay, you know, was like, I'm about to get emotional here. Draymond said, you know, they didn't. When when Draymond said nobody thought they would get back, I'm not not so sure that nobody thought they would get back. I kind of wonder if he meant we weren't really sure if we were going to get back because he mentioned the conversation that he had with uh, the GM and uh, Bob Myers. And, and the conversation was about having the all-stars and then also having the young players at the same time. Those vets wanted more vets to help them get to that thing who, who have experience. And Bob Myers was like, no, like at some point you guys are going to retire and we need these young guys to be ready. We're not going to go through this, you know, start over period. And so Draymond was like, I've never seen that work before. And so he kind of had to eat a little bit of crow tonight, which I really appreciate that he did because it actually did work. Now, mm -hmm. why did it work? Well, it worked because those three guys were great. That's why it worked. Yeah. uh, I kind of think that, Draymond summarized it perfectly. I think I, I feel like I saw a lot of media members who, who I wouldn't say totally counted them out, but maybe from, you know, the start they had this season, no one, no one thought that was going to happen. I mean, like I, I genuinely think he summarized it perfectly. You know, Clay goes down with two major injuries. Steph breaks his wrist. They have that, what, 19 win se- a season where they drop. Uh, maybe less. Wise I think it was less 13 wins. or something. It 15 was yeah, maybe something, something, like that. something in that range. And, you know, they 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 pick up Wiseman. The Kelly Oubre experiment was trash. I mean, <laughs> if you look at some of those lineups in the 2019 season with D'Lo, it was like, oh my God, who was the point guard? I'm trying to remember his name. Kyle, Kyle Kai Bowman. Yeah, uh, Kai Bowman, D. Lee, Pascal. Wait, you know, wait, the- wait. But didn't didn't you get a Russell jersey? Don't you still okay, have a Russell okay, jersey? Man. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Hey, he he was he's very valuable to the Warriors because if Minnesota did not believe he had value, the Warriors don't get Wiggins. Like that's the whole thing that swings this whole thing to where they could play. It was just Minnesota wanting Russell so badly because he and Cat were friends. It's like that's that whole thing. And that pick was like top what four or five protected or top six protected and the Timberwolves were one of the worst teams last year up until D'Lo and Cat were both healthy together and then they just went on some winning streak and they brought themselves yeah. out of that you know seventh worst record we end up with the seventh pick Kaminga like it, it all had to happen like that and it was it was all very perfect but no back to my point though I do think yeah. that some people um didn't think they can get back maybe they were lying to themselves because you know there's a lot of people who hate the Warriors and didn't want to see him back but uh, well, I, I think, I think there is some, there is some out. Maybe I think you're right too, where he maybe didn't think they can get back because of all that stuff you just said. But I think there is some, remember he shows media. up late to training camp. Like he was, he had something yeah. to do. So he's late to training camp. And we're all wondering like, Oh no, are they even on the same page? And by the way, I use this for the slate and I have to, I have to pick something before the game starts. So I was like, okay, you know, no auto Porter again. I think Kaminga showed, you know, at least in game four that he could play some minutes and they didn't play him at all. He was T-shirt Kaminga until the end of the game again, which was kind of uh, interesting. And the guy who gets all of those minutes of all people, Bielitsa. And you know what? 
they didn't lose those Bielitsa minutes. You, you know, I, I think there was some, they probably, I think they were really uh, ahead in, in all of those Bielitsa minutes, but by the end, Bielitsa is still a plus four. Um, and so that's my, my last point here. Looney, huge again, keeping some of these offensive possessions alive. Bielitsa stays positive. He hits that big three. And Dre is his most efficient. You know, Dre's box score is is really, really good. Dre was six of seven from the field. How did he dunk it into the corner of the rim and it gets stuck, though? Um, One for one from three, four of four from the line. And as a team, the Warriors did not miss a free throw. He had six rebounds, nine assists, 17 points, uh, plus 11 for Dre. So, you know, it was a very well-rounded game for these guys. And uh, it was uh, it was just such a team effort. Like with the the this is like the Steve uh, Steve Kerr dream basketball game, moving the ball. And you know he he points out. Did you did you see the when he was talking to Jordan Poole about defense there? I think I think was did Jordan Poole make a dumb foul? No, no, no. So basically, what Steve Kerr was saying was, when you you know th- these guys are, are such good offensive players that you could play really good defense and they still might make a shot. But if you continue to play hard and you work on defense, that could be the difference of somebody going two of five shooting rather than three of five shooting. And he said, it adds up to about a 10 point, 12 point swing there. So he was basically trying to tell Jordan Poole, like, don't get discouraged when you feel like you're playing good defense because they can make shots just keep doing it because at some point your good defense is going to cause them to miss shots. I thought that was, a, a, it was, it was so interesting because I sort of forget how young these guys are. And if you think about how young Jordan Poole is, he's, you know, Jordan Poole's like, you know, four years ago, he's, uh, he's a senior in high school, right? And now he's playing at the highest level in the NBA. So Steve as a sort of a basketball um He's kind of a he's a coach. He's a mentor. He's old enough to be this guy's parent, you know, even older than that. And so the way that he talked to Poole, I thought was really, really cool, really interesting, kind of just breaking it down like, dude, you're doing it. Just keep doing it. Even if the shots fall, like that's how we're going to win this game. I thought that was really good. I missed that whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jordan Poole's like seven days older than me. Yeah, he's yeah, he's. I think what a and to add on to the 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 D'Lo turning into all this other stuff, pool also like that. It's so essential that all these things go the right way for this to happen, and and everything really did go all the right way. So uh, Dutra says uh, Stephen A. Smith did call the Warriors making the finals this year prior to the season beginning, and then he said, "My favorite sports personality, you know, Stephen A. Smith." Out of all of those guys, Skip Bayless. And and those guys who are just trying to create headlines and and trying to get retweets and trying to go viral like that's literally what what the, their shows are about. I actually like Stephen A. the most, and the reason is because he is ESPN's highest paid uh, employee. Stephen A. Smith makes the most money from anybody at ESPN now. 
I, I don't. I'm, I'm. I'm trying to want. I'm trying to think now because Joe Buck and Troy Aikman just signed big deals with ESPN. So I, I'm. I don't know. I mean, I think maybe maybe he's he he's still the highest, but that dude just is a take creator, right? And that's he's also that, the biggest Warriors fan out of all of those guys you just mentioned. Stephen A. Yeah. Smith loves the Warriors. So good on Stephen A. Smith when he gets one right. You gotta you gotta call it out because we sure call it out when he gets them wrong. <laughs> um. All right. So great way to close this series out. Now you had posted on Twitter. I was, I meant to, to grab the, the, the screenshot. You said this one was the sweetest of the, the fine, the Western conference finals victories. And I thought about it. I was like, no, for me, it's still the first one because it was such, it's it, it just the ground, you know, the, we had never been there before. So I'm like, ah, oh, this is, this feels cool like I, I don't know how to feel for this one like you said i didn't really get nervous about it i was like mm, we, we, we we've been here before I'm, I'm not too concerned but why is it the sweetest to you i knew like right when i was like typing that up i thought about 2015 and and i i, I knew what the if anyone was going to say something it was going to be about 2015 you know they hadn't been there since i i, I mean when uh not Barnett, uh, who's the Warriors? Great, who's the Warriors? Uh, wow, I'm blanking. Who is the guy? Who's the guy that won the the championship last time? Wait, the who are you talking about? The guy, I'm blanking on a legend, on a Warriors legend who I know by name, and I can't think of it right now. The last time the Warriors won the championship before twenty. You're talking about who? Who was on their team? The star player. Uh, you're Barry? talking about Rick Barry. Thank you. Thank From you. 1974? Oh and that was the last time they were there, right? Uh, they may had gotten... I think Barry... Barry may had gotten back either before... Maybe it was before then. But I think he'd gone to the finals twice, but he won it once. But yeah, I knew the implications behind, obviously, 2015. And, and, and I just feel like for my age, I knew the game of basketball. I was playing the game of basketball. I understood everything. I understood who was on our team. I was a fan, but uh, I just think that when we got bad, that's like when I kind of zoned in on the NBA, trying to learn everything, you know, gearing up my knowledge so I could do my own podcast. So I'd say right when we got bad is when I like, like just went all in. And that was probably mm -hmm. the worst year to go all in because like, I don't want to discount the basketball knowledge I had pre that because I, I understood what everything meant in 2015 and 2016, all the way up to 2019 when we lost against the Raptors. Like I remember all that. I remember all those emotions, all those feelings, but for me, like completely zoning in, you know, listening to all these podcasts, listening to plus minus for every single episode that's come mm -hmm. out for the past three years, listening to all these warriors podcasts, I can just, you know, watching as much media and all the games and all the everything, you know, knowing all the storylines, the whole, do you remember Wiggins not wanting to get a shot like that? That feels like forever ago, but yeah, I've, I've been like, so, you know, all in on the Warriors for the past two years, more than I have any other sport, more than I have any other team. So I just feel like for me, this one feels like this one feels better because well, I, and, and I agree with all the Draymond, Draymond sentiments. That's why I already said it. Like, I, I do think there's some truth into that. Stephen A. Smith, love him. Thank God he, he was the one guy that said it, but I really don't think there were that many others that really thought that half of them i mean half of the three-fourths of the media people thought the lakers were gonna go like <laughs> yeah i mean i i thought the warriors at the beginning of the season i thought they were going to be right around the fourth or fifth best team in the west but the I put thing them as fourth but the thing that you always had in, in, in your back pocket as a warriors fan is if they get there 
and those guys are healthy, that changes the scenario. Because if you remember, the reason why the Warriors were fourth instead of first or second was because Clay wasn't there. And nobody knew what Poole was going to do. Uh, nobody knew uh, how Wiggins was going to play, right? Wiggins' first half of the season was excellent. So all those things had to happen. And then you get Clay back. But also remember, when Clay came back, they took a step back as a team. Draymond gets hurt. Clay comes in. He he's not he he's still getting his feet wet. Wiggins regresses. Jordan Poole is the one who kind of brings them back out of the the slump. So it was a very it was a good season, but it was also high and low. There wasn't really a middle part of that season where you're like, you know, that they, they, they're they're okay. It was either they're really good or man, they're playing some bad basketball. So I think I think the, all of those things make it sweet because in our mind, you know, when they're winning 67 games with with KD on the team or they're winning 73 games and you know that, you know, it, they're going to the finals no matter what. Like th- this is there's just no way that they're not uh, that 67 games in 2015. So all of those things like you're you're pretty confident that they're at least going to go fairly far. But this year, I wasn't so sure. I was like, you know, things have to happen correctly. And if they mm. do, they have a really good chance because they have all that experience and they have the closer, uh, Stefiano Rivera. And he showed that. Yeah. And like you said, 20, yeah. And I think in, in, I mean, 2016, I think we all thought they were going to go, even though they were down three, one against the thunder, we started sweating a little bit, but I think we, they, they got the only reason, the only, you know, that, you know why they won is because of Carmichael. (laughs) Carmichael started crowing. He thought it was in the bag. He jinxed his team and uh, the Warriors came back. But yeah, it's 2017, 2018 with KD, uh, 2019, you know, like, it, it, this was a fourth seeded team getting to the NBA finals. Like I don't think in any of that run were they ever a four seed second at the worst, maybe so. And like you said, everyone being injured, it just, it felt like warriors fans when they saw how the beginning of that season looked and saw that how good we were doing without clay. And, you know, I guess the idea of Wiseman was very still looming very large, but it just, I think, I guess it's like a homer take, but I truly believe that, all most Warriors fans thought that if they can get healthy, get a couple games together, this is where they were going to end up there. And big ifs, I, though. B- big ifs. Lie, yeah, none of that stuff was was not guaranteed. definite. Yeah, yeah. All right. Before we give our uh, little bit of a prediction here, Kamudi watch. Moses Moody had an excellent, excellent short stint. In this game today, Moses Moody, uh, I know he had a couple of minutes uh, late there, but he played 10 minutes. Uh, he had seven points, one one from three. Uh, he had a couple of free throws there, but he had a nice stint when the Warriors started to play really well. He was in the game and he was doing really good things. Now, I wish he would just shoot it sometimes. He, he seems a little apprehensive to just let it fly. Uh, he, he lets he actually lets the defense close out sometimes on him, but uh, gosh, you gotta gotta like what you see in a guy who is not scared in game five, and he was you know he he knew he was gonna get a little bit of time, 
and he made the best of it. They played really well with him. You know, the thing is, I think the thing that is the best about him, at least the thing that I that I love the most, is when he comes in, it's not noticeable that he's a rookie. He may not do anything spectacular. He may just sort of be okay. But that's a really good thing because, you know, we've talked about this with Damian Lee. He's 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 not always okay. There there are, he's often they often have to take him out before it is time for him to come out because he plays poorly. Uh, and Moody is so consistent, like, and he's just he. It's almost like let's get let, let's put Moody in, let's get these five minutes out. We know that he's going to be stable. He may not be great, but he's not going to be bad. And I think that's a it's a really good thing about him as a nineteen year old kid starting or uh, playing in the uh, NBA conference finals. And we were saying in game two, I think he got like nine or 10 minutes, just one stint in the fourth quarter. And I think we were talking about it after. And I was like, those are my favorite minutes in the entire game. You look at the yeah. box score, two points, one assist, but those are my favorite minutes of the game because we had just saw Dealey stink it up in the second quarter and honestly almost cost them a good chunk <laughs> of that game. And then Moses Moody comes in and doesn't do anything wrong. I think that was the main thing. I guess we have low expectations for when guys like GP are hurt and you have to use that spot for a, a D Lee or a Moody. But we went, when we went and watched him in Santa Cruz and the guy's a shock creator. And I didn't realize that until we saw him in Santa Cruz. I thought he was just some three and D guy, but, and I, I think that's what he's going to be in the league, but he does have a little more to his bag. And, and we saw that with that one shot that they kept highlighting that little fadeaway or, or like for, like jumper from the free throw line. Like, mm-hmm. That was smooth. Um, but yeah, Mo- Moses Moody doesn't do anything. He doesn't do anything. I, I haven't seen him do anything like incredibly wrong, really that remotely wrong, to be honest. He just is, does the right things, whether it's making the right pass, just the little things, making the right pass, you know, having a good possession defensively, um, taking the shot, I guess, when he's when he's open and, and hitting it. Like when he shot today from that Steph feed, like I was like, that's going in. Like that, yeah. It just looked it looked good. It's a very nice stroke, too. It it just <laughs> looks like a, a good shot when he shoots it. Agree. Uh so you think we're gonna see GP2 if you were to bet? I just feel like I haven't heard much on him, whether it was you know, the initial injury report when he went down said that he's not ruled out for the finals yet. And then they take care of Memphis. They go into Dallas and they're like, OK, maybe he could make a return. But, you know, it's I feels like it's always been the finals potentially. And he, then he, you see these videos of him doing these drop step dunks. And <laughs> I don't know totally how I, I want that thing to be like very closely healed, though. It's yeah. because like they could just sag off so much and <laughs> if they leave him out from three. But he is so important, too, especially if you go up against either of these teams, to be honest, like he's good. He he gets. I still think Moody can get some rotation because the last time they played the Celtics, not the last time, the first time they played the Celtics, I believe that's when Moody got his first start against the Celtics. Moody was pretty cruddy in that game, from what I remember. I think it was around December before we went and watched them against Memphis. Um, but I could totally see Moody getting minutes in in both of these series. But if GP's back, obviously it's going to be more targeted minutes and a stable rotation uh, for Moody. So I don't know. If GP's going to be back, but if he's going to be back, it's going to be in these finals. What about Iguodala? That's that was my next one. What do you think about Iguodala? We, have, I mean, it's like mums the word on Iguodala. Nobody said they don't say anything about him. If he doesn't play, it was like obviously it's important to have him on this team. You know, a, a great presence to be in practice and on the bench. Like, uh, I mean, Jordan Poole was bound to have a breakout year, but I'm sure Iguodala's like advice and and rooting for him definitely helped more than say if Iguodala wasn't there. But the whole idea has been for this guy to get rest in the regular season so he could play in the postseason. Yeah. 
and he's maybe played two games. Uh, like, yeah, and I don't, I mean, the neck injury or the little thing that happened to his neck, like, it did, I don't even think it happened on the court, did it? Uh, it I feels like it had to have the neck thing. That yeah, seems I like thought, a, that seems maybe like he just court. like woke up and or mm. or, or at the gym or I don't know. It just, we it's just, just need, it's, we just need Jay to text him for just like the we don't need Woj. We just need JJ to text him and get the official injury status. Yeah, that actually we should get him to text him <laughs> to see. Are you are you playing? You gonna bet on this series? Are you gonna play? <laughs> um. All right. So make your pick. Does Boston close them out on Friday? I don't know if they close them out. Uh, I'm going to say no, but I think it's I, I going think to Boston game seven. The series. I hope. Wow. Game seven. I really hope so. It, it depends on, you know, who's healthy for Miami. Obviously, if Boston plays, I mean, I'm this is a complete Warriors fan, you know, take on this. I Obviously, I want a game seven. I want yeah. the, the Heat to be a little more healthy so they could take on Boston. Boston has to play more games and don't wish for any of them to be injured. But Boston's also not fully healthy. So if they're having to push guys to a game seven because their players want to play through it and they want to win a game seven, it's obviously going to, you know, be a little more taxing on them. So uh, I still think Boston's going to win the series. They're the better team. I called Boston in seven before the series started, but it's just, it's just hard to watch that series sometimes. <laughs> like both it's, it's like I, I, as a basketball player, love defense. That's the thing I'm best at. And I feel like that's easy to say, because if you're not a good offensive player, you gotta be good at something. So I, I've, I've tried to be like really good at defense. And this series is just like, you know, real two really good defenses going at each other. But I must say it is boring offense is what sells that's what that's what's the most fun to watch and and the shots weren't falling good defense was happening so so boston just started to whenever miami would miss they just try to start a fast break they weren't starting fast breaks off of turnovers or you know off of it was off of missed shots <laughs> if the heat missed the shot jalen brown would just run yep and so i feel like that and i hope they don't do that against us all right well uh i think that's it the nothing much left to say we've uh, I don't know. I, I feel like this podcast has been good luck for the Warriors season. We we just started doing episodes right as the playoffs started, doing these live streams, and it's it's uh, it's been good so far. And we have the finals coming up, so Thursday and Sunday. So we will probably be dark until then, unless unless we want to try and do something um, before then. But uh, at least we'll be back next Thursday night after game one of the NBA finals. Um, the BAM, the BAM pods. Did you, you put up your latest basketball episode? We did. I haven't advertised it yet, but it's out there. And then uh, BAM pods on Twitter, the BAM pod on Instagram. Uh, also, we put up a second red and gold standard podcast, 49ers show up in, in our feed, in our, in our podcast feed, Lots of Grant Cohn and J- Javon Kinlaw conversation. Um, so I, check listened, that. I listened to like half of it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was good. I, Cone, I, I, I thought it was pretty fair, actually. They, they, it's easy to bag on Grant Cohn, especially if you're a fan, because he do, he he does lead with a negative slant on, on stuff a lot because he's trying to get headlines right. He's trying to create angles. Uh, sometimes they're not there, but he tries. And I, I, you know, I thought that they were pretty fair because I think I think most fans are frustrated with him in general. Uh, but yeah, Kinlaw, you know, Kinlaw did. Uh, it's hard to back Kinlaw on that thing without saying, yeah, but, you know, so 
interesting thing. Uh, also, we have we we put some of that conversation on YouTube as well. If you are not a uh, subscriber to the podcast feed, if you go to the BSPN YouTube page, uh, the uh, I'd say about a half an hour of that conversation is up there. All right, so uh, coming this week, uh, we have we'll have a Thompson to Clark podcast Tuesday night. Wednesday morning, we're going to take that Monday off for Memorial Day. And then, like I said, Brian and I will come back. And then uh, Red and Gold Standard uh, will probably have another episode, though they did do two this week. So I'm not exactly sure. But uh, lots of content in the feed. If you are a Bay Area sports fan, so check it out. Any, any, anywhere you listen to podcasts, just search for BSPN Bay Area Sports Podcasting Network. You know, at some point, I would like to get an A's podcast in there too. But man, there's so much negativity around that team, even from their own fan base. It's uh, I, I think I, they're doing better than the Mariners. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They're not a bad team either. So, uh-huh. uh, but man, that the yeah, and I and I know I've met Dave Caval a little bit, and he's a little bit of a troll for being a team president. It's kind of crazy. Uh, all right, so uh, that'll be it from here. We'll see you next week for Bry. I'm Double G. See you when we see you. Peace out.